You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dad Well, I know we're all kind of sick to our stomach, um, being somewhat forced to watch that Vikings in Seattle game. I don't think anybody feels good. It, it, I felt good waking up and seeing everybody felt the same way I did. We're all just mad, and we don't really know why. Just mad we had to watch that. I, I, I can't quite... So maybe some of you guys can identify the, just the sick feeling you have in your stomach. But let's take a step back and remember what I said. It's win-win. Seattle, I mean, honestly, you you really, if we step back, you got to feel good as a Packer fan today. Because this whole week, this whole week, you look at it and just say, dude, it's Packers all day. This is a Packers Super Bowl waiting to happen, pending any kind of craziness. And I'll be honest, little bit of me's worried about this bye week. Because I got to assume there's a couple guys, you know, you're not supposed to be flying home, you got to stay in Green Bay or whatever, but I mean, there's there's a lot of places you can go in Green Bay. I know a lot is relative, but it's still a city. They have restaurants, they have bars, they have things you can do, probably shouldn't be doing, but I'm just saying, a little bit nervous. But if they can just hang in there, sit in your room, play some video games, go work out wherever it is you're supposed to be working out, however it is, just go back to the facility, whatever. Stay focused. I just don't see anyone that's going to stop them. Not Seattle, not Minnesota, not New Orleans, not Dallas, not the Giants, not San Francisco, 43-17, to not Philly, not Washington, not Atlanta, not Carolina, not Arizona, not Chicago, not Tampa Bay, not the Lions. I mean, the Rams are the only team. That's it. It's it's might as well just book it now. Packers, Rams, NFC Championship. Every other team just kind of sucks. Maybe some of these teams will figure it out. I don't know, but this is like a disaster. This is an absolute disaster area. And on top of it, while every other team is just playing like garbage, the Packers are playing the best football <laughs> we've ever seen in some of our lives. I mean, they, you know, we could tweak a couple things. Could be better here and there, but... I mean, we got injuries up the wazoo. Some of our best players aren't even playing, and we're still dominating everybody. 49ers can't... (laughs) If you're feeling sad about the Vikings game, which, I mean, the Vikings just lost again. They're, what, one of the one and four now? Can't be that mad. The San Francisco 49ers are two and three. They lost to the Cardinals, who, as I've been saying, are not that good. I legitimately thought they were about to lose to the Jets. They pulled ahead and, you know, spanked them pretty hard. But Cardinals are a mediocre team. They're the kind of team that, if they face any kind of talent, they're going to get destroyed. 
Otherwise, they got a shot. They can beat garbage. They're good enough to beat garbage. They they lost to the Cardinals. They beat the Jets, and then they beat the Giants, and they beat them pretty handily. 31-13 to and 36-9 to is impressive. Then they lost to the Eagles, who are putrid garbage. And they lost to the Dolphins, who are garbage. They have not faced one good team, and next week they're facing the Rams. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens. You never know. Anything could happen. Crazy stuff. Maybe it's a scheme-fit kind of deal. I don't know. They're going to get annihilated. Then they face the Patriots. They're going to get annihilated. Then they face the Seahawks. They're going to get annihilated. Then they face the, pa- the Packers, the Saints, the Rams, the Bills. I don't think they're going to win a game. The 49ers aren't going to make the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen. Look at this. They have two wins. They're going to lose to the Rams, lose to the Patriots, lose to the Seahawks, lose to the Packers, probably lose to the Saints, lose to the Rams, lose to the Bills. Then they're going to beat Washington, maybe beat Dallas, maybe beat the Cardinals, and then lose to the Seahawks again. They've got maybe four wins coming. They're going to be a six-win team this year. Unless something drastically changes, this is a six-win team. Does that make you smile? The hardest game on our schedule, and they can't beat Miami. They got throttled by Miami. Now, I mentioned on the show that this is, could be one of those weird games, you know, because Fitzmagic, man, every once in a while, he just puts up a ton of points, and that's exactly what happened. But you couple with that with the fact that the 49ers only scored 17 against the Dolphins' defense. That's got nothing to do with Fitzmagic. Again, they lost to the Eagles. Their only two wins this year have been the Giants and the Jets. The 2019 49ers are not losing these games. That's kind of the point. This is not the same team. It's crazy to think. And and think how much love Kyle Shanahan got. I, I hate to every single day talk about the lack of respect Matt LaFleur gets, but that guy had a garbage team for three straight years. He had one good year, and he's called one of the greatest coaches, offensive minds in football, and now he's garbage. Matt LaFleur, in his first year, had a great year. Nobody cares. In his second year, 4-0. Best team in football, arguably. Then what, we're still going to talk about Andy Reid and, and Shanahan? I just, I don't know. I, I get Shanahan is, is, and he didn't even, I mean, he got it from his dad. It's not like he built this system. But really, I mean, it took him four years to get the players they wanted, to be able to run their system and do it well and do it right. They did really well in, in one year, lost in the Super Bowl, and now they're just, they're just it's, apparently it's over. I don't know. It's already over? Is that what we're saying? Because even if they come back, even if like that was just a little blip, it, the, you're probably still going to lose to the Rams. You maybe can put up a fight against the Patriots. Seahawks, I'm not, I don't think you got much of a shot there. I mean, look, the Vikings are, are at least somewhat um, built for your team. Again, if there's anything redeemable about that entire defense, it's the really good safeties. So, you know, DK Metcalf and all that stuff, you kind of take that away. There was a billion sacks in that game, almost all of which were co- coverage sacks. You think your safeties that are terrible are going to be able to stop the Seahawks' downfield aerial assault? No. Sorry. Not thinking so. Couldn't stop the Dolphins from putting up 43. I don't I don't think so. Same goes for the Packers. Now, the, the only unique thing here is that Matt LaFleur is basically running exactly what Shanahan's running, so they've got a unique insight into exactly what the plan is. But the, the problem is, at the end of the day, you still have to stop it. The players still have to stop it. So, yeah. Congratulations. And to be completely honest, what do we know about the Rams at this point? What exactly do we know about the Rams? They've essentially faced one good team all year and they lost. That was to the Bills. They beat Washington, whoop-de-doo. They beat the Giants, whoop-de-doo. They beat the Eagles, whoop-de-doo. They beat the Cowboys by three. I mean, is this is this a super elite team? 
or just a good enough team? I mean, they're doing a good job of scoring some points. Not quite as good as the Packers. I mean, they scored 20 against the Cowboys. They only scored 17 against the Giants. So the offense doesn't seem to be quite as good as the Packers' offense. If anything, they've won two of their games by winning with defense. The Cowboys scored 17, the Giants scored 9. If the Cowboys just got to 21, they win that game. Same with the Giants. 18 points wins that game. That's not very good. And I'm, I'll tell you right now, as, as much as they have that one good player that everybody knows, Aaron Donald, who else? Name one other guy that you're scared of for the Rams' defense. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. I don't know that we know for sure. Then they for, face the 49ers, which, again, I expect them to win. They're going to face the Bears. They should win that because the Bears suck. They face the Dolphins and maybe Seahawks. That'll be interesting, considering I'm not sure who's good and who's not at this point. Buccaneers, 49ers. I don't. I mean, I'm looking at these teams and I'm trying to figure out which of these teams are good teams. I don't think they win twice against Seattle. We'll see if they can win once. The Patriots again could be tough. Man, everybody's just bad. Everybody's so bad. I don't. I just. I don't know. I'm feeling good. It's it's crazy to me right now that the Chicago Bears are sort of front runners with Seattle and the Rams, and I'm not worried about really any of them. So feels good to be on top. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But yeah, just kind of ripping through it again. I mentioned Arizona. They look like they're about to lose to the Jets for a while before they pulled away. Carolina did end up beating Atlanta. I'm glad I did have the courage to... There's a bunch of these that if I was not a coward, I would have, you know, made the right pick, but I was a coward. But I did switch this game, pick Carolina, ended up being the right pick. Again, I think Atlanta's more talented than Carolina, but it's just, it's just one of those things, man. So Atlanta fired everybody, which, I mean, as I've been saying now, two years ago, they should have done that. Way too late on that one. Um, One of the few kind of locks was Baltimore-Cincy. That one was kind of a slam dunk. Houston Houston beating Jacksonville is still a shock. I'm looking in my pool. It looks like most people did pick Houston. I mean, I can't argue with you because you were right, but I just, I don't see how a winless team that just lost its entire leadership wins that game. I mean, he must have really been dragging that team down, the head coach, because that's that's a very rare sight. Although, the, I think the Packers did that. They came out and won their first game without McCarthy and then went on to lose like the rest of them, something like that. And I get it, it's Jacksonville, but still. 30-14 to 14 is a pretty definitive win. That's not even close. So we'll see. Maybe Houston gets a little revitalization. I doubt it. I just I don't, I don't see how an interim head coach is going to come into that mess and just fix it. But maybe. I don't know. Uh, Rams over Washington was another lock. Kansas City losing to uh, the Raiders was... I at least laid it out that it's that it wasn't an impossibility, right? I mentioned how it, was, it, it could very well be a trap game. The only problem was I just don't see Kansas City losing a lot of trap games. They didn't lose any trap games last year. But the Raiders are just one of those teams where they're, they're not bad. I just feel like everybody thinks they're bad and they're not. They're, they're maybe not good enough to actually go all the way, but Gruden, man, that guy just deserves a ton of respect. And I'm, I'm hoping people just stop laughing at him at this point because, again, they don't have that good of a rod. I mean, the offense is pretty solid. The offense isn't bad, and, and I'll be honest, seeing that Henry Ruggs touchdown was, was pretty exciting because that's what you bring him in for, that 4-2 blazing speed just beating him deep. And they finally pulled that one out of their back pocket, at least as far as I haven't seen that happen yet, but... Um, probably would benefit from a better quarterback. I've been saying for a while, I think their quarterback's good enough, but if they can get a really, really good one, man, this team could just, I mean, defense is more important, but you love to see it, man. And beyond that, not only 
again, I was wrong. I said Kansas City would win, but not only did I lay the groundwork for Las Vegas winning, but it kind of helps because I've been trashing the Kansas City defense since forever. So the Raiders putting up 40 on them feels good, man. It just feels good. So I think the Raiders are legit, but I don't think they're quite there. I, I, I think at some point they're going to be a very, very good team. It, depending on how well they draft, and, and some people are more impressed with their draft than others. I'm not the most impressed with their ability to draft. I think Gruden is what really makes that thing go. I don't think Mayock is the greatest GM in the world. In fact, I know for a fact that he's been mocked and ridiculed. And in fact, there was basically an internal mutiny of uh, scouts because Mayock just sounded like an idiot because he's a TV personality and not an actual scout. I mean, I'm not trying... I mean, look, he's smarter than I am. That's cool, but... Apparently, he's going through and, like, trying to talk to these guys, and the scouts are looking at him like, what is this guy talking about? No, you moron. Look, this is what I said. And they had that whole thing where they had to kick all the scouts out, and they were talking about firing the whole staff, which they ended up doing, and very, very weird and whatever. But, you know, if they can keep getting a couple good picks, and they've had some good picks, they'll they'll make it work. Either way, whatever you think about the Raiders, they just beat Kansas City, and that's fantastic. And again, they beat them kind of playing big boy football. That's what Gruden likes to do, and that's very similar to what Matt LaFleur does. I don't know if it's exactly the same kind of scheme, but it's a similar philosophy. We're going to line up with all the big boys. We're going to make it look like we're running, and we're, you know, sometimes we'll run, sometimes we'll throw. We'll see how it goes. But the point is, you don't know. I think it's a slightly different variation on how the plays look, but it's a similar starting philosophy. It's, it's big man, smash mouth, everything revolves around the run kind of football. That's a good sign. Philly-Pittsburgh, again, I'm not overly impressed with Pittsburgh, but hey, they put up 38, so there's that. San Francisco-Miami, hilarious. Cleveland-Indy kind of went the way that I was thinking it would. Um, I do think Cleveland is a legit team, but it also makes me happy that Indy just can't get their stuff together because that's another team I was really worried about, and they just can't get it figured out. I said on the show yesterday, Cleveland's got a talented offense, but the defense has a lot of question marks, and Indy's offense is what I was scared of. They only put up 23 points. Um... It's just nothing's really working. Uh, the big the big news was the Giants versus Dallas. Um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Dallas's future. I don't think anybody was really expecting anything from Dallas anyways. But with Dak being out for the season now, it's not looking good for Dallas. Um, the one I mentioned positive silver lining with the Dak situation is that it's it's not supposed to be. It is for the year. But it's not supposed to be career-threatening. Some people had said, you know, obviously the the biggest thing that most people are upset about is the fact that he didn't get a contract. I'm not going to get into that. A lot of people want to jump in and pretend like they know what the contract negotiations were like. I don't know. Um, I don't believe that the Joneses are evil human beings. Maybe they are. I don't know. But when you look up in the booth and they're literally crying because Dak got hurt, I don't know. I'm probably not going to go down the they're evil bandwagon. I know they were trying to work on a negotiation for a contract, and it didn't work. Maybe the Joneses are being greedy. Maybe Dak's being greedy. I don't know. Not interested in that. Point is, dude got hurt. It's sad. It's okay to be sad without lashing out at other people. Just a thought. I don't know. Especially when you don't You don't know. You're pretending you know so that you can lash out. Like, just chill. All right? Cool it. I'm not a big fan of Jerry Jones, but I'm not going to cross into he's an evil human being territory. That's a little crazy. It's just a game. All right? He's, he's the Cowboys guy. Grr. Right, it's a game. Keep it in game territory. Let's not get too crazy with this stuff. That's what's so scary about like 2020. Like joking around becomes very serious life really rapidly. 
somebody makes a comment and then it circulates around Twitter and then people are at their doorstep like, you know, smashing windows or something. Like, it just, people get way too crazy way too fast. Lighten up. But anyways, horrible for Dak. He was having a fantastic year. He was basically the only silver lining on this entire team. I had mentioned how, you know, PFF-wise, he was grading as one of the best quarterbacks in football, kind of overshadowed by a lot of the other guys, even Mahomes, who I think he was outplaying Mahomes as far as his grade. But, you know, of course, Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes, so everyone says he's the greatest in football. But Ezekiel was having a hard time getting going. The offensive line was terrible. Everybody says they have an elite wide receiver trio, but really it's just one guy and then two other guys that aren't grading out all that well but if cd lamb makes one catch it's all over twitter this is the greatest wide receiver ever i can't believe blah 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 blah, blah. probably because they were all over the guy in the draft and they want to pump up themselves i don't know but he's doing okay it's hard to cover three talented wide receivers i guess but bottom line is dak was playing the best ball of his career and it, it makes sense right because it's in a, a contract he wants more money and either Dallas or somebody else is going to pay me what I'm worth. And he was showing what he's worth, right? He was proving, like, I was right to not take the contract because I'm better than what you offered me. And he was proving that. And he would have gotten his money, again, by either Dallas or somebody else would have paid him. Um, absolutely horrible situation, freak accident. But again, silver lining here, supposedly not career-threatening. I don't know if I even got that part out before I went on a tangent, but that was, you know, as far as, you know, people are worried about nerve damage or whatever, like he may be not be able to come back from this. Apparently that's not supposed to be the situation. It's he's out for the year rehab, but he should be back strong and ready to go. So hopefully there are no major ramifications for his, uh, his contract situation. I don't know. Just my thoughts on the situation. Seattle Mini we talked about, and then we got New Orleans and L.A. Chargers. And I don't really care. I mean, I would love it for the Chargers to win, although they kind of scare me. So if they lost, I wouldn't be too heartbroken. But, you know, if the Saints fall another one, it's just, it's just again, throwing my hands up going, yeah, everybody sucks, cool, great. But it was a good week for football. It was a good week to not play football because this is the week everybody got exposed. So if we can just skip this one, that's great. All right, Tampa Bay exposed. Atlanta, it's over. Kansas City, exposed. Philly's little comeback, nope, it's over. San Francisco, officially trash. Dallas had a different kind of tragedy, but still, bad. Indy, I mean, just throw in the towel. Minnesota, season is officially over. You're not coming back from this. So, it was a good one to sit out. Um, Before we take a break, I don't think I have any thank yous to go out. There was a uh, little bit of a complication. Basically, I was supposed to give away two hoodies to two people that picked the correct team that would win by the biggest margin. Big shocker, nobody picked Miami. And no, I'm not giving away hoodies to the second place winners. I'm sorry. You failed the test. You don't win for getting second place. So that one gets scrapped, and we got to figure something else out, and we'll figure it out by today. But here's what I'm going to say. I have now offered (laughs) $70 hoodies left and right. Yesterday, I offered $50 if we could just get the group up to a certain amount. And I've offered 50 cents per person that you invite to the group. Apparently, none of this is interesting to anybody. Because I, again, yesterday, 50 bucks on the line. If we can get to 200 people, I think we added about 10. So I need to kind of step back and uh, retool what I'm doing here. Because apparently, offering cash money, not interesting to people. $50, nah, I'm good don't need it, don't want it. I don't know. I don't I don't understand, but that's fine. Um, I will say, though, any and all giveaways from now on, Iron Jock, free, literal, just cash, 
any kind of giveaways, it's all going to be in this app. If you have some kind of a weird aversion to new apps on your phone, you don't want to get into a chat with other Packer fans from the group and whatnot and talk football, that's fine, but, I mean, this this is it for me for a while. Zero Iron Jock hoodie giveaways anywhere but in this app. Just letting you know, obviously, if there's any complications, confu- I know a lot of people when they, they're like, I don't get it, this isn't working, whatever. Just ask me. It's very simple. You download FlickChat. It's an app. Click the link that I put up, and it's going to take you to download the app. Then you have to find my particular chat. It should, when I'm, I had my wife do it, just to make sure it worked perfectly. I don't know if you guys just aren't, maybe it's because we have Android phones and they're not stupid. But as soon as it got done downloading, it took her right to my particular thing. If that's not working, click the link again. It'll take you into my group. If that still doesn't work, just ask me. I'll get you in there. But I, I am at peak desperation mode, and I'm just literally throwing out money. I'm in a very competitive frame of mind trying to get a bigger group than everybody at fan to fan network i'm in third place and i'm not happy about it (laughs) so again get in the chat if you tried and it didn't work message me i will fix it for you because today there's going to be something some kind of a pool some kind of a prize and i will possibly be putting money on top of everything do not miss it all right let's take a breaky well just so we're clear what it is i'm giving away today I've got uh, two big boxes of Iron Jock hoodies, which are some of the most comfortable hoodies you're ever going to wear. These things are absolutely high quality, silver ion infused, warm but breathable. You're going to want to wear it all around the house type hoodies. The silver ion, by the way, is going to kill 99.9% of bacteria and fungus, which is caused by sweating. It's also anti-static, which is awesome, especially around wintertime when everything is staticky and I hate it. And uh, their hoodies, as well as their long pants, shorts, and running jackets, also have Endurotech Plus, which is water repellent, meaning these guys that I got here are also water repellent. You go out, wear it out on a little bit of a jog. It's going to keep you dry, and you come back, and you're not going to stink. At least your, uh, your hoodie isn't. And again, if you'd rather not mess around with the competitions and whatnot, you can go right now to IronJock, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. Check out their line of polo shirts, vests, workout shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, socks, and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. See what they've got that you like that fits in your budget. Maybe buy something. Try it out. See what you like. Make sure you're following them on Facebook or on Twitter at Iron Jock. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So, one of the other benefits I got in this little flick deal is that I've got a thread set up for topics for the podcast. It's a nice, easy, convenient way if you got something you want me to talk about, and I get to just drop in there and, and look for stuff to talk about. But one that caught my eye that doesn't need a, a ton of research, maybe a little bit, but just at quick glance, I thought it would be fun to kind of look at. But Shoe Pack said, uh, comparing the defenses in 2011, 2014, and this season. Because that's a pretty good point, right? We know 2011, dominant offense. 2014, pretty dominant team in general. Uh, specifically offense, but uh, the team was really good. And uh, 2020. And in reality, as much as we talk about 2011 being super dominant, I think 2014 might be a better comparison to what we're seeing now because, let's face it, 2011, putrid defense. If you look at just points and yards, they were 19th in points, which could be worse, but 32nd in yards. That's the whole bend-don't-break thing, except we broke a lot. Um, and ultimately what the problem was, and this is what we've seen from the Packers for years, it was it was the problem in 2011, but it also was a problem in 2014, could potentially be a problem in 2020. The, the biggest issue is that you get into a situation where anytime the offense doesn't show up, you're in trouble. Now that wasn't always the case. We scored 24 points against the Rams and the, the Rams only scored three, so the defense showed up at least that much. But... Um, that might be the only example I can find. If you look at the one loss we had that season against the Kansas City Chiefs, the uh, Packers put up 14 points. Now, granted, anytime your offense scores 14 points, you can't really necessarily expect your defense to, to save you. But the first game in the playoffs against the New York Giants, the offense only put up 20 and the defense allowed 37. So not only do you have the defense just completely laying an egg, but you have an offense that wasn't quite able to overcome that. So if you look, for example, at the New Orleans Saints in Week 1, the Saints scored 34 points, but the Packers scored 42. Which, hilariously, Week 1 is very similar in all three of these situations. We beat the Saints 42-34 in 2011. Um, actually, I'm lying. It would have been Week 2 in 2014. But anyway, similar situation with the Vikings, where we scored 34 points, or they scored 34 points, and we scored 43. Uh, 2014 was similar in terms of what opponents scored. The big difference was, so for example, uh, week one in 2014, the opponents scored 36. In 2011, they scored 34. And then in 2020, they scored 34. So the week one defenses have been similar. The biggest difference is, is in 2014, we only scored 16 points and we lost the game. 2011-2020, the offense overcame that. So again, the, the biggest issue would be if you have a really bad defense that allows tons of points, it's just a matter of time for there to be that game in which the defense allows a bunch and the offense just doesn't show up. The benefit about this year, the defense has been fairly good. I mean, they did allow 34 against the Vikings and 30 against the Saints, but only 21 against the Lions, only 16 against the Falcons. The offense hasn't put up less than 30. So fairly similar in 2011. Um... They did only score 27 points in week three, 
but they also scored 49 points in uh, week four. So in terms of, of comparing, even though if you look at the overall, for example, if you look at points and yards, 2011, 19th in points, 32nd in yards, as I said, 2014, they were 13th in points, 15th in yards. This year so far, 18th in points, 12th in yards. We seem a lot more similar to 2014, which is a good thing because you want our defense to be somewhat better. If you just look at kind of how the season's starting, it, it has a 2011 feel to it. Right, 2011, we only allowed a bunch of points once. That was week one. Um, and then we scored a ton of points in all four of those games. Same thing with 2020, except we scored or that we allowed big time points twice so far. So it's kind of a weird thing where, based on our ranking compared to the rest of the league now, we seem more like a 2014 team. But based on the actual point totals of what the offense and defense are doing, this has a 2011 feel to it. And if you look at it, it wasn't just a matter of, yeah, but in 2011, we gave up a lot of points to garbage teams. That's not true. Again, through the first four weeks, the only game they gave up a lot of points to was the uh, New Orleans Saints. That was the second best offense, arguably the number one offense compared to the Packers. Second in points, number one in yards that same year. The Carolina Panthers, who only scored 23 points the very next week, were the uh, fifth best offense in football. The reason they went 6-10 and 10 that year was a terrible defense. So I guess either way you slice it, it is comparable, but the more I look into it, the more it just feels like I'm not interested in the comparables all that much. Only because we're just getting started, and, and really this, this it is important because it comes down to we need a defense that can help us. And so maybe a better way to look at it would be the actual roster itself. And so for example, if you look at the um, 2011 team through the first four weeks, the highest graded player on our defense was Desmond Bishop. He had a 78 basically a 79 overall grade. So good, not necessarily elite. The next best was the 80th overall player, which was Clay Matthews, which when we talk about all defenders isn't bad, but still we're talking about a 73 overall grade. He had one sack, um, 21 pressures, which is a lot, but one sack so far through the first four weeks. The next best was uh, Ryan Pickett, still in the 70s, but barely only had one pressure and 64 attempts. His pass rush was completely useless, basically pure run defender. After that was B.J. Raji, who was 69.9, 132nd overall, eight pressures in 166 attempts. Followed then by Jarrett Bush, who was our top cornerback at the time. His uh, coverage grade was a 64. He had allowed six completions for 61 yards and a touchdown through the season so far. So when you look at it as far as you know upward potential and what this defense could do, by the time the season was done, Clay Matthews was the highest graded guy. He had 71 pressures uh, in 500 attempts, basically. So 14%, which is solid. He only had six sacks on the season, though. Des Desmond Bishop was the next highest. Those are the only two guys that graded out positively on the entire season. Charles Woodson um, was in the 60s. This was obviously at the latter portion of his career. Obviously, he was a big help for us winning the Super Bowl. And he had some real great seasons for the Packers and really helped out. But there was a pretty big fall off for Woodson, and this was not his best year ever. So, yeah, two guys graded out really well, Desmond Bishop and Clay Matthews. And so, again, when we look at 2011 and say, what's the difference between then and now? On one hand, you can look at it and say, well, they gave up a bunch of points. We're giving up a bunch of points, some good games, some bad games. But the problem is, what can you actually do with this defense? A lot of big names. And if, you, if I just list off this name, people are going to say that's a, a Hall of Fame defense. But if you actually look at what they did in 2011, B.J. Raji was the lowest graded defender, 44.6 overall grade. Horrible. Putrid against the run, 38.7. We're talking about a, a massive human being. 
When you're 6'1", 337 pounds, and you cannot stop the run, that's problematic. And you're also not a good pass rusher? Hugely problematic. And so again, compare that to this year. I think, again, we'll see what happens, but I think Zadarius is maybe at about the level Clay Matthews was at in 2011. Obviously, Zadarius was better last year than Clay in 2011. So far this year, off to a slow start. But if he can keep up what he's been doing, the sacks he should be able to surpass no problem. Clay Matthews, again, had six. But again, the pressures were pretty high for Clay. We don't have a Desmond Bishop on this team, which is unfortunate, but they didn't have anyone even close to a Jair Alexander. They didn't have a second pass rusher like we have in Rashawn, who I know has been injured, but he's already far and away better than anybody we had. Our next best edge rusher was Eric Walden, who had a 50 overall grade, 40 pressures out of 425 attempts. That's less than 10%. That's terrible. A.J. Hawk was horrible. He wasn't even good against the run, which was his whole thing. Like, he's, he's pretty good at tackling, but that's about it. No, not, even, not in 2011 he wasn't. It's a lot of big-name guys that either became really good or were really good in the past. But the only guys kind of in their sweet spot were Bishop and Matthews. So it was just, it was not a good defense. And again, we have better than that. We have better safeties right now than what they had in 2011. We have the best cornerback in football. We have a top-tier pass rusher, possibly two when Rashawn gets back. If he can keep doing what he's doing and Zadarius keeps doing what he's doing, two really good pass rushers. Maybe I, you know, I don't want to completely give up on Preston, but I sort of have. Did they have? They had nobody even close to Kenny Clark. Again, best defensive lineman was Ryan Pickett. He had six pressures on the entire season. Not six sacks, six pressures. He had zero sacks, zero hits, six pressures. 2.4% pressure percentage. I've never seen one that low in my life. They got Sam Shields, who absolutely goes off next year. 2012 was his best year ever. But that obviously has nothing to do with 2011. So, again, I, the more important way to look at it, in my opinion, is not just points scored and everything, because there's so many different variables, but looking at a defense, what do we need? We need a defense that can step up and make plays so that when the offense falters, we have a defense that can step in. When the offense only puts up 22 points instead of putting up, you know, 42 points, we need a defense that's going to be able to step up and keep that other team down. And again, when you got a Jair, and when you got a Zadarius, and when you got a Rashawn, and when you got an Amos, and when you got a Kenny Clark, the expectation is you can do that. Whether or not you can, I don't know. But the expectation is. You need to be able to do that. Now, 2014 was definitely better and probably much more comparable. Right? We're talking about two good edge rushers. Well, they had two. We had Julius and Clay Matthews. Julius and Clay both had 59 pressures, much more impressive for Clay, who had 447 attempts compared to Julius's 547. But Julius was still over 10%. Clay was, you know, 13, which is more than enough. But Sachs, you're talking about Julius with 12, Clay with 13. The highest graded guy, though, was Casey Hayward basically a 90 overall grade, that's Jair. We also had Devon House, who had a good year. You had Morgan Burnett, who had a good year at safety. Mike Daniels, defensive line, there's your Kenny Clark. Morgan Burnett could be sort of your Amos guy, who's, you know, 72 overall. That's pretty Amos territory. Tremont was there, decent grade. Nick Perry, decent. There's your third edge rusher. That would be your Nick or your uh, Preston Smith. In terms of talent on the field, 2014 is somewhat similar. You say, well, what went wrong? I don't think it was the defense. I don't. Maybe you can blame the defense. I mean, we, we know what the what kind of a collapse we saw against Seattle. I don't need to elaborate on that with you necessarily. But the Dallas game that we won prior to that was 26-21. to 21. Defense did a pretty solid job. Against Seattle, the offense scored 22 points. You would love to see the defense do a better job, but this is an offense that was averaging 30 points per game. They get into the playoffs, score 26-22. and 22. 
It's also an offense in 2014. Again, I talked about how the defense looked kind of similar. Against Seattle in Week 1, they scored 16 points and lost. Against the Lions in Week 3, they lost because they only scored 7 points. Against New Orleans, granted the defense gave up 44, which isn't good, but they only scored 23. Against the Buffalo Bills, they lost. They only scored 13. Every one of these is winnable if the offense just does what it needs to do. Granted, 28 points is kind of in that iffy territory, but 22 points is well below expectations. 13 points is well below expectations. 7, 16. And so what I guess I'm saying is this is a comparable defense to 2014 and a comparable offense to 2011. So far, it's only it's only four weeks in. But it, which offense is more comparable? It's clearly 2011. But the defense is closer to 2014. And the defense wasn't perfect, but they were pretty solid. And again, that collapse against Seattle was not great. Clearly, that was problematic. But this is a this is an offense that not only dominates through the air and on the ground, but dominates time of possession. They play keep away really, really well, and that's going to help to aid the defense to keep the points down. So I don't know. It, it sounds ridiculous to even say that this is a combination of 2014 and, and 2011, two of the best seasons we've seen. But I, I went through the defense. Does that sound kind of like? I mean, maybe it's not quite as good as 2011's defense. We have to see. we got to see what happens. Does Savage take a step? Well, how good is Amos is going to be? What does Kenny Clark look like when he comes back? Is he going to be better than Mike Daniels was or worse? Could Rashawn and Zadarius be somewhat similar to Peppers and Clay Matthews, with Preston being that third guy? I don't know. But, but we're talking about similar. Maybe it's a little bit better. Maybe it's a little worse than 2014's defense. Maybe it's a little bit better. Maybe it's a little bit worse than 2011's offense. But if we can balance somewhere in that range, I think we're doing pretty well, especially when we're talking about a season in which all the teams in the NFL are kind of bad. I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm just looking at the information. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. We'll get something figured out um, pertaining to, and it turns out some people did pick Seattle, or excuse me, uh, the Saints. So if... uh, if the Saints blow out the Chargers, which I hope doesn't happen because I already deleted that thread, <laughs> then I got some hoodies to give away and some apologies to hand out. But assuming that's not the case, uh, we're going to do something having to do probably with like point totals or whatever uh, for the Saints game. So make sure, please get in that that chat. At least, you know, it's going to help me out a lot. And I'm, I'm just, I'm giving away stuff like crazy in that group right now. I fully intend to be number one in Fan to Fan Network. And right now... Um, I'm very close to Big Cat, who, by the way, if you haven't watched any of these fan-to-fan network streams of, like, pregame types, that guy's hilarious. I love Big Cat. He's a Carolina Panthers guy. A lot of fun to watch. Go check out some of his videos, or just go to fan-to-fan network and skip ahead to when he's on there. He's awesome. But he's just ahead of me by, like, 20 people. And then the guy in first place is the the head of fan-to-fan network with, you know, like 100,000 followers on Instagram, so I don't know how I'm going to pass him. But he's, he's over 500 people right now. So if I sound a little desperate and crazy... That's okay. That's good. That's beneficial to you, because you're just going to be able to take all my stuff. I'm going to start like giving away like yeah, I don't know. What do you got? You want my other? Co- I got a computer monitor. I'll give you a computer. Mo- I got scissors here. Tell me what you want, man. You join the group. I'll give you a uh, man. We got all kinds of twine. I'll hook you up. <laughs> Anyways, I'm done. I gotta. I'm being dumb. You folks have yourselves a good day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.